listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Senior Pastor Kelly Fellows. You know, Andy, uh, when I was in high school, I had a jersey very similar to that. And I remember I had to wear all these pads, and the coach was always on top of me trying to say, hey, you need to gain some weight, fellows. They're going to break you. I'm so glad you can fill that jersey in so well. You know, I used to wish I could fill in a jersey the way you fill that jersey all the way out. Thank you for being so proud of that. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love what's going on with our youth. It's a, it's a great thing in our young, with our young people and uh, it's very exciting uh, that we have so many committed adults who are helping our young people and uh, I, I'm excited about what's going on with our youth and what's coming forward in 2023. It's gonna be really great. Um, we have been in this series uh, that I've been talking about, Immovable, uh, for quite some time now. As we roll into the holiday season, Seasons. Uh, we have a word that the Lord has given us for the holidays. And um, so today is the wrap-up of this series. And if you're a guest with us for the first time, you kind of get to hear the wrap-up of this series. But I'd encourage you to check out our podcasts or go on YouTube to our We Are Refinery channel. And you can, you can check out all these past messages because they have been so faith-building and so encouraging. I've really, really loved sharing this. Um, even though we're exploring the principles and the practices of God's covenants through throughout the Bible, um, we really have only scratched the surface. We've only scratched the surface because it really is the principle of the Bible. The word old, the words Old Testament and the words New Testament actually stand for Old Covenant and New Covenant. And so it really is the theme of scriptures. And so the six or seven weeks that we've been doing this really just scratches the surface. So here's what I wanted, what I decided I would do. Um, I contacted my, my pastor and my friend, Jerry Dearman, um, who originally taught me through this series. He wrote a book called God Swears. I don't know if you all know that God does swear. Um, he does. He does swear. Not maybe the th kind of swearing you're thinking of. But this says, God swears. And then the subtitle is, To Keep His Promises. And so I asked him, I said, hey, could you send over some of those books? I want to buy some of those books from you. And I want to give them and get them out to my congregation. So he, uh, I bought uh, about 10 or 15 of those books right here. And if you want to dig deeper, if you want to go a little bit further, if you want some clarity and understanding about God's promises and God's principles on covenant, grab one of these books. They'll be available after the service. I paid $15 for them. That's what the cost was for him to have them printed. And so they're just going to be $15. Nobody's making any money on this. We just want to make, well, the printers are probably making money on it. I think that's, that's who made the money originally. So we're just going to pass on the cost to you guys. So grab one of these if you want to. I only have, I think, uh, about 10 of them. So if you want it, grab it, uh, pick it up this week. If you don't have the money this week, that's okay. Just tell Lee at the end of the service and, and you can take care of it at a later date. We began this series and get ready to take notes, open up your journals or your sketch pads, as Jen was sharing. Um, we, we, we talked about this term, covenant. Everybody say covenant. covenant. We learned the definition of what a biblical covenant is. And maybe you haven't been in church before. Maybe uh, you haven't been in church very long. And this term covenant to you might seem like a foreign phrase. The definition that we saw as we looked into the Bible is this definition. Take a look on the screen. A covenant is this. It's a formal, intentional, and relational partnership resulting in protection, provision, and purpose. Everybody say covenant. covenant. 
we have seen over the last seven weeks how God has gone through great lengths to form intimate covenant relationships with humanity. We looked in scripture, we realized that God is not just some force in some distant universe, like a Marvel uh, character. He's actually a real, real supernatural being who created all that we see, feel, and touch, and all that we can't see, feel, and touch. And he wants to be involved in our lives. Matter of fact, when he, as we saw in the beginning, when he created marriage, it was to be an example, this covenant relationship of marriage was to be an example here on earth of God's desired relationship that he wants with us. The bride representing us, the body of Christ, and the groom representing God himself. And so we see that God is at work saying, I want to have this covenant relationship with you over and over and over again. In the Old Testament, we saw that every time God covenants with somebody like Noah, Abraham, Moses, we see his plan of love and redemption unfolding a little bit more. When it was with Noah, it was unfolded this way. When it was with Abraham, it was unfolded even more. With Moses, it was even unfolded a little bit more. You may recall when God covenanted or, or invited Abraham into a covenant relationship. Here's what he said. Take a look on the screen. He said in Genesis 12, 3, he said, all the family. Matter of fact, let's read this together. Let's just fill this room with God's word. Ready? Begin. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. All the families of the earth would be blessed through him. And there was a promise that God made. Abraham didn't even see it in his lifetime. But today, we see that covenant promise coming to pass. A thousand years later, God would refine this promise when he covenanted with Israel's King David, great King David. And God made promises and covenanted with David in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. And without going into great detail for the sake of time, let me just simply summarize. He said to David, David, your house or your family tree will last forever. That's what God promised to David. Your family tree will last forever. How could that be? He may have even interpreted, oh, wow, that's awesome. There will always be a David son on the throne of Israel. He didn't understand that God was speaking about eternity. Later, God would clarify through the prophet Jeremiah what this would look like. Take a look at Jeremiah 23, 5. This was after the promise to David. And before we get into the New Testament, God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah and says this, for a time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. Okay, that was the covenant promise to David. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. Check this out. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. So the prophet Jeremiah is saying, this king is coming. This promise that God made, this covenant promise that God made to starting with Noah and then to Abraham, then through Moses and then to David, God is saying, I am going to see it come to pass. Further down in Jeremiah 31, here's what God continues to say. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a what? A new covenant. Well, hold on here. So now the Lord is speaking. He's made these covenants starting from the beginning and we went all the way through to David. And now through the prophet Jeremiah, God is saying, uh, a day is coming 
declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Hmm, okay. With the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Remember we talked about that last week? God brought them out of the land and directed them, guided them, provided for them, protected them. God's saying, I'm going to do a new thing. Not like that covenant. I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, uh uh-oh, here it is, that they broke. Though I was, here it is, their husband, declares the Lord. See, God references back to the marriage relationship. He sees himself in a covenant relationship, much like marriage with us. A faithful husband. But he says they broke it. For this is the covenant, here's the new one, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Hmm. That's something to look forward to. I'm sure these people are going, man, writing it on our hearts, we knew it was written on stones called the Ten Commandments, and then the law was external. Now God is saying, I'm going to do something different. As we jump now into the New Testament, and if you could, even in your brain, kind of go, okay, we're going to jump over. We're leaping from the Old Testament. Now we're going to quickly jump over into the New Testament. When the birth of Jesus comes on the scene, and we're rolling in here to Christmas, and we're kind of starting to think about that. An angel appeared to Mary, who was giving birth to Jesus. And the angel begins to declare to Mary these things about her child. And here's what the angel Gabriel says in Luke chapter 1. You're going to see the connection. Here's what he says. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. He, that is the Christ, that is your child, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord, here it is, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, Mm, the connection, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus, do you see the connection? Remember the, see it? Jesus would be the embodiment of that Jeremiah prophecy. Jesus was it. Matter of fact, this is just one of many prophecies that confirmed that Jesus was and is the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. And according to Jeremiah, what would he do back in Jeremiah? He would form a new covenant. It's better than the old. See, because the old one had the external terms. Here's how you should live. And they would have to go, they would have to hear it, they would have to read it. And they would try to live by it, God's people. And you know what they did? They failed over and over and over again. You know why? Because of man's sinful nature. They continually broke the terms of the covenant. God would faithfully issue the terms of the covenant. We read throughout the entire Old Testament. But because of man's sinful heart, the terms were unattainable. The terms were perfect. The terms were pure because of, because of mankind's sinful heart constantly were failing. And so they simply couldn't keep them. And here's what they went through in the Old Testament. The people would receive and accept this covenant relationship with God. 
And then some time would pass and they'd break the terms. They would become unfaithful. God says like an unfaithful wife, basically cheating on God. They would break them. And you know what would happen? God's blessing would be interrupted. Remember, God's love doesn't change. He loves unconditionally. But the blessings were always conditional. If you will live by this, then you will inherit. Then you will experience. Then you will be protected. But if you don't live by the terms, my blessings can't flow because then God would be a liar. And God can't lie. He's just. He's just. And so they would do this, and then the people would suffer. We read that over and over again in the Old Testament. They would repent. They would offer sacrifices for their sins. God would forgive mercifully. The blessings would begin to flow again, and the people would prosper. And then what would happen again? The cycle would repeat itself over and over and over again. And that's why God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah, I'm going to do a new thing, a new covenant where the terms will no longer be external terms, but I'll write them on their heart. God says, the new covenant would be written on their hearts from the least to the greatest. They would know his heart. They would know the beating of God's heart and be empowered, here it is, from within. See, that's what we're talking about with the Holy Spirit this morning, that we would be empowered from within, not trying to do it in our own strength, not trying to be righteous on our own, but a new covenant would come that would then empower us to be righteous. As a matter of fact, and I've got a lot of scripture here this morning, so I'm running through this quickly because I want you to get this. Look what the book of the New Testament of Hebrews says about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Take a look at the screen. It says, But now he, that is Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant. Everybody say better. Better, better covenant, which was established on better promises. Book of Hebrews is saying that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant, that's better. It is because of the internal motivation and has better promises. Better is good, don't you think? Better is gooder. Better. I think better is gooder. The Old Testament covenant was good, but the New Testament covenant is gooder. It's better. That's what the Bible is saying. Hebrews 8 goes on to repeat that prophecy of Jeremiah. And it's amazing. It's amazing to think that God covenants and promises in the Old Testament and they're good. But then when Jesus shows up on the scene, God in the flesh, he says, I'm, I'm doing a new covenant with better promises for all people. God is so generous and so merciful I'm so thankful for his word because we see through the Old Testament the failings of humanity. We see our weaknesses in the Old Testament. That's why the Old Testament is there to show our own weaknesses and to show how much we need God because I can relate with some of these whack crackpots in the Old Testament, you know? 
people who think they're going to do things their own way because they think their own way is better than their way than God's way. And then we see, we get to read their story and we see them fall on their faces. And then we see God help pick them up, dust them off and bless them again after they've repented. And I say, God, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to fall on my face. So I want to walk right now. I'm so thankful for the stories in the Old Testament. And I'm also even more grateful that I'm on this side with the new covenant, with better promises. God is so generous. For centuries, for centuries, he has pursued us. He's pursued this intimate relationship. And the picture I have in my mind when I read the Old Testament is this faithful husband who just loves his wife. And she comes to him and says, oh, I love you, honey. Oh, I love you. Kissy, kissy, hug. And then a handsome guy walks by and the eyes of the woman go, oh, hold on, hubby. Hey, baby. She wanders with the handsome football player for a little while. And then after he doesn't really meet her needs, after she finds out that he's really more about himself than about her, she's broken. She's left alone, and she looks going, where's my hubby? He was always faithful. He was always there for me. He was always working hard for our family. Where is he? I want to get back to him. And God, like a faithful husband, says, I've been here the whole time. She says, please forgive me. And she repents. And he takes her in. And then a little while later, another handsome boy walks by and off she goes. Now, if I was that man, I'd be like, you fool, I ain't taking you back. But see, God is much more merciful than I am. So merciful, so merciful. But a time comes in history when he says, you know what? Enough of this trying to do it on their own. I'm coming down. I'm coming down. I'm coming down because you know what? They need me. They need me to empower them, to strengthen them. And I'm going to make a new covenant that is better, more powerful with better promises. And he comes down in the form of Jesus. Mm, 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 mm. Can we pause? Yeah, come on. You can applaud that. I want to pause right now. Would you just join me? God, I don't want to talk as if you are somewhere else. You are here in our midst. This is not just a story about a God who used to be. It's a story about a God who is. And we say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. And thank you for your mercy. Thank you, oh God. Come on, would you just do that? Just thank him for his mercy. Thank you, God, for being merciful, for being faithful, for always being there. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, here's what I want to show you. I want to show you, because we started a few weeks ago talking about covenant ceremonies and how when a covenant is made, a covenant ceremony would take place. This has happened for centuries in cultures around the world. And maybe you remember, go ahead and put up the slide there. Uh, maybe you remember we had the nine elements of a covenant ceremony. And this is what they were, if you guys remember them. In a covenant ceremony, the two tribes would come together, their representatives would come to the center of the valley, and these elements would begin to take place 
ushering in a covenant relationship. Here's what I want to show you right now. I'm going to show you how Jesus did these things. Jesus did these things, did these covenant elements so that we could be affirmed and confident that he is serious and will keep his promises. First one is this, right? Exchanging coats. Everybody say exchange coats. So how did Jesus do that? When we read in the Bible, we don't see anything about Jesus taking off a coat and putting it on somebody. If you look through the New Testament, you don't see this, but I do want to show you something because he actually did that. We know this. Humanity is sinful. Just look around the world, right? I mean, good grief. What's happening in other places, what's happening here in the United States, we, we see hate, we, we see division, we see pain, we see suffering. Man's heart is innately wicked. Matter of fact, I had a great conversation with my kids one day. We were just talking about, you know, some of the atrocities that are happening in the world today. And my kids, uh, brilliant as they are, said, Dad, I think it's because we see so many people who are greedy and only thinking about themselves. And I said, explain what that means. Well, this, if this was, if people weren't so, so much trying to extort and get something out of people, then they would be more caring about people and more caring and concerned about others. So they're seeing this in their own way. They're seeing in their own minds and in their own eyes. They're seeing how people are naturally selfish. What the Bible says in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 64, says that our lives are like filthy rags. Isaiah 64 says our lives are like filthy rags. So imagine us pictured wearing Filthy rags. That's the picture that God says through the prophet Isaiah. In the New Testament, the book of Romans says it like this. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Let's all read this together. Ready, begin? No one is righteous, not even one. No one is. No one is. Every human being is born sinful. There's a sin nature in every single person's heart. You don't believe me? Watch some of those videos where they put like a two or three-year-old in front of a bowl of candy, right? And they say, okay, don't touch the candy until I come back. And as soon as they leave, you see that little kid going, nah, nah, nah. you know, they're just, how close can I get? Some of them even take it and eat it right away. Others of them are straining going, oh man, because of that sin nature in us. <coughs> no one is righteous. But in God's mercy and his commitment to his covenant, God made a way. Jesus was born sinless and righteous. The only human to ever be sin-free. You've heard of sugar-free? Well, Jesus was sin-free, okay? Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says this. For God made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, he's sin free. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might what? We might become what? The righteousness of God, where? In him. Now, just before that, in Romans, no one is righteous, not even one. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But now in Corinthians, we're hearing, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become righteous. So here's what it is. Here's what happened. Jesus took our filthy rags and robes and clothes 
And on the cross of Calvary, he took them off of us. And on the cross of Calvary, he took them on. He took all the filthy rags of our sins and he began to wear it. And then he gives us his robe of righteousness. He puts his righteousness over our filthiness. Isn't that good? That is a covenant mediator that's coming down and saying, we're going to exchange coats. You're going to give me your filthy rags and I'm going to give you righteousness. Righteousness. So that now when God looks at us, he doesn't see our filthy rags. He sees the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. The purity, the sin-freeness that Jesus walked in, now he puts over you. Oh, but Kelly, you don't understand. On the inside, I still feel this way. I know, but you know what? God doesn't see it. When you say yes to Jesus, you're taking on his coat. I can't remember what movie it was. There's probably been a number of movies that are like this. But if you have this invisible cloak, I remember as a kid seeing something like that. I'm like, I want an invisible cloak where you put it on and you just disappear. You know, you could hide. And then, oh, ha here I am. That's what God, uh, that's what Jesus has done. He puts his righteousness over you. You can't see the sin anymore. Why? Because Jesus says, because you said yes to me, because you've come into relationship with me, you get my coat. You get to be righteous. This was such an important thing for me to discover as a young man because I felt guilty. I felt unworthy. I felt I'm just a sinner. And I began to read this scripture and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus came, died on a cross, forgave me of my sins. And when I say yes to him, now I'm righteous. I'm righteous, not in my own strength but I'm righteous. That's not cocky. That's not arrogant. That's confidence in what Jesus has done for me. So he puts on the coat. Second thing, let me show you. Okay. The exchanging of weapons. That was number two, right? Remember the leaders would come down and they would come into covenant with one another. And I talked about the farmer and the warriors. The warriors would take off their swords. They give it to the farmers. The farmers would take off their harvesting tools and they give it over to them. And they go, now, my weapons are now your weapons. It was significant of saying that my power, my authority, my weapons are now going to be here for, to protect you. So how did Jesus do that? When we say yes to Jesus, listen, we no longer fight through life battling in our own strength. You don't have to do it on your own. God gives us an arsenal of weapons that is beyond comprehension and it is beyond human ability. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament. Let's all read this together. Ready? Begin. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Notice what it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. See, we're not told that, well, you know, go to the gym, come on. Start pressing, you know, 250, 275, you know, start working out, start getting out there running, be strong in your own strength. You can do it. Just talk yourself into it. No, that's not what it's saying. 
saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Why? Because God's power is greater than any human power, any human arsenal, any human creation. Be strong in the Lord. You have that. And Jesus gives you his weapons. Well, Pastor Kelly, I don't see where it said Jesus gave us his weapons. Oh, really? Let me show you right here. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said it like this. Look, he's talking to his followers. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Jesus is saying, I give you my authority. And if you look throughout the New Testament, you saw what Jesus was doing when he was confronted by demons. He said, demons, get out of here. When he was confronted by sickness, he said, sickness, get out of here. What did Jesus say? I have given you my authority. I have given you my authority. He's exchanging his weapon saying, you have it. Now walk in it. Don't let the enemy rip you off. Walk in that authority. Come on. That's what it means to be in covenant. Take a hold of it. Run with it in confidence. No matter what the attacks come your way, you've been given authority and power to win. If it's addictions, if it's greed, lust, sickness, discouragement, despair, we can say the words just like the apostle John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, when he said these words, he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. The authority of God is in you. Walk in it. Walk in it. I can tell you, your pastor is not immune to the attacks. I would say the four years that I've been pastoring this church, myself and my family have, have faced more attack, verbal attack, spiritual attack. Many of you know my story, even sickness attacks, which I believe were directly from the enemy. And I've had to stand on this promise and say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. And I've had to fight and I've had to come in the authority of Jesus Christ. But thank God I'm on this side winning. Amen. Amen. And you can too. Okay, for the sake of time, I know some of you are going, well, there's nine of those, Pastor Kelly. How are we going to hit on all those day? I mean, I got to eat lunch in about an hour or so. I'm going I'm to jump fast. Okay, I'm going to jump fast. Let me sum up number three, four, and five real quick for you. The cutting of animals, the walk of blood, and the swearing. For those of you that remember, we talked at length about what this meant. Animals were cut during a covenant ceremony. Blood was shed. The, the halves of the animal were placed on either side, representing both tribes. And then the leaders would do a walk through the blood in a figure eight, representing that this is an eternal covenant and commitment. And then they would slice their hands and allow blood to flow. And then they would raise their hand to all the tribes to show we are serious about this. This is a blood covenant. So all the world, all the tribes could see. And then they would allow that wound to fester and become a, a scar so that years would pass. They would extend their hand and people could see, oh man, that person's in covenant. They may be a scrawny little farmer, but I better watch my back because they could be in covenant with a big old warrior. Remember that? So how did Jesus do that? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Cross of Calvary. Romans says it like this. The wages of sin is death. See, death represented what would happen if the covenant was broken. 
and sin breaks covenant. So a death must happen. And so God loves you so much that he said, I'll die. I'll be the sacrifice. I'll be the lamb of the covenant. I'll be the lamb of the covenant. Goes on to say this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift. Everybody say free gift. Look at how generous God is. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, who went on the cross, was the sacrificial lamb for the covenant. How do I know that to be true? Well, there in the New Testament, when Jesus was walking up to a group of people that was being led by a man by the name of John, who's casually called John the Baptist because he used to baptize people, John the Baptist looks and he sees Jesus and look what he says. He says to all the people around so they can hear him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do you know that the people listening understood what that meant? That that meant covenant? Because they understood covenant. We don't understand that today. But what John was saying was, that's the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. That's the Lamb that will be sacrificed for a new covenant. That's the lamb. Revelation describes Jesus in this way in Revelation chapter 13. Jesus is described as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Animal was cut. And we see from these verses that the cross of Calvary was more than just a a Roman form of torture and death. It was the instrument that God would use to literally and personally form a covenant with all of humanity if they would accept it. And they would accept it. Now you might say, well, where's the walk of blood, Pastor Kelly? I, I don't, don't see the walk of blood. Well, when they took one of the nails, one of the nails went into his feet. And blood began to flow from his feet. His feet were coated in blood, much in the same way the leaders would walk through the blood, and their feet would be coated in blood. But, but Pastor Kelly, what about, what about the, uh, the, the, the swearing? Well, in ancient covenants, the representatives, as I said before, would cut their hands, and they would place their hands together, and they would shake hands, and the blood would be flowing. And then they would hold up their hands, and they'd show it to all the tribes to say, we are now in covenant. What did Jesus do on the cross of Calvary? He extended his hands and he allowed them to be pierced and blood flowed. The swearing of the covenant so that all the world would see from generation to generation as God has extended his hands saying, I am bleeding for you and I am in covenant with you. May all the world see forever. And isn't it beautiful? Think about this. For those who know the Bible, In the New Testament, it says that Jesus was crucified. He was placed into a grave, and he was in there for three days. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, and he appeared to many people at that point. And the Bible says that some didn't even recognize him because his body was was glorified. It It was transformed. But do you know something that was still on his body? Scars. He kept the scars. He didn't have to. He's God. 
He could have said, oh, I'm going to be all refreshed. I'm going to be all new. I'm going to go to God's plastic surgeon and I'm going to get all these scars removed because I want to look good. I want to look like an Orange County wife. I want to look super good. No, he said, I'm keeping the scars. I'm keeping the scars. Matter of fact, look what it says in John chapter 20, verse 27. He appears to the disciples and there's one of them by the name of Thomas who was really struggling. He couldn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. Even though he'd walked with Jesus, he had a hard time believing it. He was kind of a scientific probably mind. It was like, it just doesn't match. Nobody's ever risen from the dead. Well, there was the Lazarus guy, but nobody's really risen from the dead. And what does Jesus say to Thomas? John chapter 20, verse 27 he says to Thomas, put your finger here. Points to his wrist. Look at my hands. Put your hand the wound in my side. And he says, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Jesus says, I'm keeping the scar because I want you to know I'm committed to you. Believe. Believe in this covenant. Believe in this covenant. Jesus literally held up his sands and swore in blood to keep his promises. And his scars will remain for eternity. Someday, I, I can't wait. I'm going to step into eternity and I'm going to get to finally see Jesus. And the first thing I want to say is let me see the scars. Let me see the scars. Because that's the sign of his covenant promise for you. Now, for the sake of time, we won't be able to hit on all the rest of the elements, but I want to jump all the way to the end for number nine. Tatiana, Elijah, would you guys come up? This is one that we get to actually participate in today. Traditionally, every covenant ceremony would conclude with a meal. After, after the leaders did all of these elements and after the people swore their commitment to the covenant, there would be a meal. A meal that would also serve as a memorial. Interesting thing. I've done research and I've looked at covenant practices around the world, in Asia, Africa, uh, various other parts of the world, even in Europe, um, Vikings and others, they would form covenants with tribes. This practice of covenanting is nothing new. It's been going on for centuries. Interestingly, in every universally covenant meal that takes place, there's two elements that are always there, bread and wine. Now, some of cultures differ. Some will have beef. Some will have pork. Some will have other kinds of accoutrements, vegetables, potatoes, sweet potatoes, turkey. Boy, I'm getting carried away here. <laughs> but in every covenant meal, there's bread and wine. So it should be no surprise that when Jesus was establishing a new covenant, he sits down with his closest followers and he has a covenant meal. At the time, I'm sure the disciples were thinking, this is just an ordinary meal. This, I mean, we're all gathered together like we have before. We're having fun, family, food. There's some faith. It's like Refinery Church. They're all gathering together. And Jesus changes the meal when he says these words. Luke chapter 22 says he took some bread and he gave thanks for it. 
Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples. And I'm sure the disciples at that point were going, oh, what's going on? This is a little different. Well, I mean, we're used to taking bread and eating, but now he's intentionally giving it out. What's going on? And it probably tuned in their ears. And Jesus says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's saying that my body is going to be given for you. And I'm sure one of the disciples, maybe two, three, or four, or more, were thinking, wait a minute. Didn't John the Baptist, didn't he say, behold the lamb? What happens to the lamb? The lamb's body is sacrificed for the sins of humanity. Jesus, what are you saying? Jesus is saying, my body is going to be given for you. After the supper, he took another cup of wine. I love that translation. You know the wine was flowing. Jesus loved turning water into wine. He liked the wine. After supper, he took another cup of wine. This one was going to be different. This wasn't for fun. This wasn't for refreshment. This one had a purpose. This cup is the new covenant. The new covenant. The new covenant. Now Jesus says it. There's no question about it anymore. You know the disciples, when they, when they heard about the body, they're going, this sounds like covenant talk. Bodies being given like a lamb? This sounds like covenant talk. Jesus took away any question that might be in their mind. This is given as a new covenant. And I would believe that the disciples who knew prophecies began to hear Jeremiah. <gasps> the new covenant that God was speaking about. The covenants of the old. Now there's a new covenant. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed, here it is, with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And you. You. You may have heard this. You may have read this. You may have been in church for years. You may have been part of a communion service before. But in light of what we've discovered over the last seven weeks, do you see the implication? Do you see the power? Have you discovered this incredible significance of this meal? The act of communion that we're going to partake of today. We have a little bit modern version. We have the COVID-friendly version here. <laughs> On the top of the cup, there's a little wafer. You have to pull back the little top plastic piece. And there's a little piece of bread. Unmistakably unmistakably, this meal that Jesus initiated, check this out, was no doubt a covenant meal ushering in a new covenant. Why do we do this? To remember as a memorial of what God had done through Jesus Christ. I want to show you one more thing before we partake, and then we're going to partake together, and we have a beautiful song that we're going to, that we're going to use and sing while we partake in communion.
It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 records this. It goes back and, and talks about this last meal that Jesus had with his followers. And Paul says this at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says this. Take a look on the screen. For every time, everybody say every time. Every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, here's what you're doing. You're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. You know what Paul's saying? You're announcing that God made a covenant with you. That God mediated and literally was the covenant sacrifice for you. So you can count on that covenant promise. Every time we do this, we are declaring, we are proclaiming that God's eternal covenant was sworn in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is not just a, hey, I promise, let's shake hands, I promise I'll do that. No, not that kind of promise. No, this one was sworn in blood to be kept. This is our opportunity to proclaim and remember what God has said and done. As you partake today, I want to invite you to reflect on God keeping his covenant promises and let it remind you to live according to his ways. And as you live according to his ways, those blessings will flow. No doubt. No doubt. So today, we're going to join with millions who over the centuries have participated in this remembrance of the new covenant that Jesus Christ made for us. If you haven't peeled the plastic back, now would be a good time. Take that little wafer and kind of hold it there for just a moment. We're going to pray together. If you didn't get one of these, we have a few in the back. You can run up really quick and grab one. Maybe before you take this, before we eat this, Maybe you need to reaffirm your commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've not really walked with him. Maybe when I was talking about that story of the husband and the wife, you see yourself as the wife that's kind of gone and done their own thing. You can do that right now. You can make that affirmative commitment to Jesus now. Maybe you need to make a first-time decision. Maybe you need to say, I've never been in a relationship with Jesus. I want to do that now. It's simply a prayer away. God invites everyone. Remember what he said to Abraham. Abraham, through you all, the families will be blessed. God made it possible for all. Jesus invites all of us into a relationship. Do it right now. Either commit for the first time or make a recommitment. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, around this room, under the tent, online, who are watching right now, God, I know your word has gone out, and I know, oh Lord God, is convicting and convincing hearts. Holy Spirit, move. And if you hear my voice and you're praying right now with me and you want to make a first-time commitment to Jesus Christ, simply say, God in heaven, I believe that you love me. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. And I want to receive him as my Savior today. I want to come into covenant with you. Do that right now where you're at. Whether you're online, under the tent, or right here in this room, do that right now. Do that right now. Maybe you need to recommit. Maybe you've not walked with him for a long time. 
do that right now. Say, God, I recommit my heart and life to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.